thyself is dedicated to the exploration of the most rewarding task an individual can ever embark on, the journey to find oneself. Our intention is to investigate the universal principles that have equipped our species to seek the treasure of all treasures, self-knowledge. With your host, Daniel and Eduardo, this is the Know Thyself Podcast. All right. Welcome to the Know Thyself Podcast. I am Eduardo. I'm here with Daniel. Hello. And uh, it's so good to see you, man. This is long overdue. You know, it's been about a month and, uh, you know, lots to talk about. And this subject being the eighth labor of Hercules has so much to unfold. But before we get started, obviously, we're going to go ahead and play the labor. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and play the narration that has been previously recorded. And we will come right back after the narration. And away we go. Labor 8. Destroying the Lernian Hydra. The great presiding one, enrobed in radiant calm, said but a single word. The teacher heard the golden command and summoned Hercules, the son of God, who was also the son of man. The light now shines on gate the eighth. The teacher said, in ancient Argos, a drought occurred, aiming more without the aid of Neptune. He bade her strike a rock, and when she did, out gushed three crystal streams. But soon a hydra made his dwelling there. Beside the river any more, the festering swamp of Lerna stands. Within this noisome bog, the monstrous hydra lies, a plague upon the countryside. Nine heads this creature has, and one of them is immortal, prepared to battle with this loathsome beast. Think not that the common means will serve. Destroy one head to grow apace. Expectantly, Hercules waited. One word of counsel only I may give, the teacher said. We rise by kneeling. We conquer by surrendering. We gain by giving up. Go forth, O son of God and son of man, and conquer. Through gate the eighth, then Hercules passed. The stagnant swamp of Lerna was a blot dismay all who came within its confines. Its stench polluted all the atmosphere within a space seven miles. When Hercules approached, he had to pause, where the smell alone well nigh overcame him. The oozing quicksands were a hazard and more than once Hercules quickly withdrew his foot, lest he be sucked downward by the yielding earth. At length he found the lair where dwelt the monstrous beast. Within a cavern of perpetual night, the hydra lay concealed. By day, night Hercules haunted the treacherous fen, awaiting a propitious time when the beast would sally forth. In vain he watched, the monster stayed within its fetid den. Resorting to a stratagem, Hercules dipped his arrows in burning pitch and rained them straight into the yawning cavern where dwelt the hideous beast. A stirring and commotion thereupon ensued. The hydra, its nine angry heads breathing flame, emerged. Its scaly tail lashed furiously the water and the mud, bespattering Hercules. Three fathoms high the monster stood, 
a thing of ugliness that looked as if it had been made of all the foulest thoughts conceived since time began. The hydra sprang a Hercules and sought to coil about his feet. He stepped aside and dealt it such crushing blow that one of its heads was immediately dissevered. No sooner had this horrid head fallen into the bog than two grew in its place. Again and again Hercules attacked the raging monster, but it grew stronger, not weaker, with each assault. Then Hercules remembered that his teacher had said, We rise by kneeling. Casting aside his club, Hercules knelt, grasped the hydra by his bare hands, and raised it aloft. Suspended in midair, its strength diminished. On his knees, then, he held the hydra high above him, and purifying air and light might have their due effect. The monster, strong in darkness and in slightly mud, soon lost its power when the rays of the sun and the touch of the wind fell on it. Convulsively it strove, a shudder passing through its loathsome frame. Fainter and fainter grew its struggles till the victory was won. The nine heads drooped. Then with grasping mouths and glazing eyes it fell limply forward. But only when the lifeless laid did Hercules perceive the mystic head that was immortal. Then Hercules cut off the hydra's one immortal head and buried it, still fiercely hissing beneath a rock. Returning, Hercules stood before his teacher. The victory is won, the teacher said. The light that shines at gate the eighth is now blended with your own. All right, man, we are back. Hey, man, pretty excited to talk about this myth, you know, the eighth labor, like I said, long overdue and so much to unfold. And and before you and I started recording, you mentioned something that I really love is how we're going to break this um, astrological sign and its significance into threes, which is very appropriate uh, given the um, the nine heads of the Hydra and everything that goes within that. So for now, let's go ahead and jump into that myth, man. I know there's a lot to talk about and we're very anxious and excited to get back to all the listeners who have been very patiently waiting for us. And so, yeah, man, here we go. Let's just jump right into it then, right? Yeah. And 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 you're right. And that, that three is actually going to have some significance even in the later episodes when we break down this eighth labor of Scorpio, because Scorpio really is three signs in one. And this is kind of the the trinity of the last two signs that we've been kind of speaking about with Virgo and Libra. And we're really kind of seeing the completion and the, the championing of what energy gets championed inside of us. And so this is a really, this is one of my favorite labors as a student of the esoteric and the occult. Scorpio is a subject in itself. You study astrology and you study Scorpio in connection with all of the other signs, and Scorpio really bears independent study. I mean, this is serpent wisdom that we're kind of connecting to, which is one of the oldest spiritual traditions in the human experience. And so we're going to kind of jump into it. And, you know, right off the bat, and also, Great narration, just like always. Thank you so much for taking time and putting that love and care into that, because I really feel like that that really kind of took this to the next level when we were able to present the myth and then break it down, rather than individuals having to kind of like blindly understand what we're describing here. And, you know, the first, you know, um, well, I'm so sorry, what were you going to say? 
I said, no, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's my pleasure always. Um, you know, I'm always very surprised that I could get away with narrating such uh, amazing, uh, you know, written information like that. But, uh, you know, uh, it's just something that I, uh, I'm never going to be completely satisfied with. But it definitely helps, um, you know, doing that for myself, uh, even though I've already read it a, a few times. So, yeah, man, let's get right into it. So perfect. And, you know, and one of the first things that we're going to kind of discover in this labor, and we're going to see connections to it, is this is a labor that he he gets some very unique, insightful guidance from the presiding one. And what this is really showing is as we continue through the journey through these 12 labors, our connection to that universal life force becomes more amplified. And we can start hearing this inner guide in this inner voice. And it speaks to us in a clearer way that gives us almost more exact direction of what it's going to take to become that world savior and the 12th labor of Pisces. And so we even see it in the beginning of this, when Hercules is being instructed on the labor, he's actually presented clues on what he needs to do to overcome this. And this is really when we start to connect to deeper spiritual information and really kind of start to understand that internal enfoldment that's been trying to guide us our entire life, well, we're evolving. And so we're starting to perceive that information in a much more clear, precise, disciplined way. And we're going to see that unfold throughout this story. You know, And one of the things that we're going to kind of talk about today, too, is Hercules is starting to believe that he is the world savior. Just like right. in the movie, The Matrix, the you know, in the Matrix movie, there's a there's a point in the story when Morpheus is watching Neo through the Matrix, and he says he's starting to believe that he is the one. Well, we are all starting to believe that we are the one at this point. We're tapping into that energy, and it's becoming undeniable of what burns inside us and just what we're connected to, and we're kind of moving through that. And so that was kind of one of the first things that kind of jumped out at me. Um, but, you know, one of the really important, like, areas to kind of investigate is where we're going to actually find this, this all kind of, sh the showdown kind of happen. And it's going to be in a swamp. He travels to a swamp right. to meet this nine-headed beast. Um, and the swamp is going to play a really deep significance with the element that we're dealing with in this story, because we're dealing with mutable water. And so this is not the water of cancer. This is not the water of the womb. This isn't even the water of Pisces, which is the water that takes us from this life to the next. This is boiling water. It has a complete different characteristic about it. It's, it's really just trapped heat and trapped energy. And so the first thing that we kind of explore in this is the location of where he's going to find this. And this is our trapped inner desire. This is the the inability to express this desire energy in a productive way. And it's actually kind of creating like almost like this humid, swampy environment. And living in Florida right now and traveling through Florida, one thing I can tell you is the swamp is a very you know fascinating place, but humans cannot survive in the swamp. It's not meant for humans, and we're not meant to carry this energy and this swamped energy. And looking for these pressure releases is something that we're going to kind of explore as as this labor continues. 
Well said, man. You know, it, it is true how they describe the the well, the description of, of this bog that they talk about, right? This uh this mud, um, the quicksand that pulls him down and weighs him down, you know, before he can even enter the lair. And even when he's in the lair, you know, they talk about as he's about to enter the lair, the stench is so much that he has to sort of like you know, kind of compose himself before entering in. It's not so much like here it is, go through and and just conquer and divide. I mean, he even has to sort of test the waters in a matter of words with, um, you know, firing his arrows from a distance just to see even where the beast is, just because the labor has already started with that murky and, and thick quicksand that's pulling him down. You know what I mean? And so right away he kind of realizes like there's more to this and just the beast that's going to, uh, you know, reveal itself and I'm going to have to slay. Um, and I, and to go back just a little bit, man, I, I love what you're saying about, you know, this, this, uh, this connection to this, this humidity, this like boiling water and, and what the water really represents, um, in this, the stench, uh, of, of this layer, but also what you said about the insights he has, you know, there's a clarity to him. And even the labor, as you hear it in the narration is pretty short um, because it's straight to the point on how he needs to get there and what he needs to do. But he also has this guidance um, and you're going to see that, you know, come into full fruition at the end uh, of the labor. But yeah, I think that that's something I really wanted to talk to you about is, you know, how he fights through the bog. He's not even talking about the the hydra yet it's just fighting through the bog i mean they make a clear point of that and um and it kind of starts as sort of uh it's the initiation that he needs to go through to go into humility you know to kind of understand his place before he even gets to the beast because we've already heard him slay many beasts he's already conquered many beasts he already knows how to be within the beast and come out of the beast and destroy the beast physically speaking but this is something else here you know that we have and so um Continue, man. Yeah. I'm so excited you brought that up because I'm like, do we even go there? You know, it's funny to ease. It's easy. Sorry to interrupt. It's easy to overthink a lot of the, the, the aspects to the myth and go, Hey, what is the significance of that? And then go, well, do I even bring that up? Do I say something about it? And then, so when you bring it up, it's beautiful because I'm like, okay, good. (laughs) You know, it's like, I didn't want to, you know, derail us, um, going into something that may or may not have that much to be unfolded. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and you remember, just like we were kind of talking about last time, as we move into the seventh house, we're really starting to deal with the external world. We're meeting ourselves out there. We're seeing our reflection and form. And so this is also why it starts talking about the external a little bit more in this sign, because this is the awareness of, hey, the lessons aren't just within. You project the lessons outside of you. This is the classroom. This is the university. This The universe is the university. And everything's going to be on right. the test, and you're always being tested. And that's what we're going to kind of learn as we kind of continue through this. But I love that 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 the bog and the swamp is something that stuck out to you because we feel this fermentation happening inside of us. We feel the the desire to express ourselves in ways creatively, sexually. All of this desire energy that we're going to investigate with Scorpio needs to get out of us. We're when we don't express the Scorpio energy, it's like a teapot on the stove that's completely covered up. And what happens is it actually cracks the teapot. And then you're boiling inside 
You literally have boiling water inside of you. And then when you open your mouth, you, you send boiling water outside of you. And so it's this, it's right. this, it's this experience that everybody on the spiritual path needs to very much investigate of how we kind of express this energy because there's no denial to Scorpio energy and there's no running from it. You have desire and it's the level that you express your desire through is what we're going to really kind of learn with Hercules. And, you know, you we brought up the swamp and then you did a great job of bringing up the quicksand because in Scorpio, we balanced form and spirit in Libra. And what we're asked in Scorpio is where what is the hierarchy? What's really, what are you really like aiming towards? What's in charge and what right. serves, what serves what? And the quicksand is when we make the material, we make the, the, the spiritual in service to the material. And we start getting pulled down into this reality. The quicksand is the quicksand of materialism and how quickly we can right. get pulled into the desire for money, the desire for passion, and all of these lower level expressions of this divine energy that's within us. And so, yeah, the environment really kind of shows us the the pitfalls of this five sense reality. And through this, we're going to also exactly. learn the divinity that's trapped in this reality. And that's what we're looking here. How do I release the divinity that's within me? How do I find the proper housing units of this divine life force, of this divine intuition, and, and really get it to express it in a way that's healthy, not only to my unfoldment, but to the unfoldment of collective consciousness as a whole. And that's what we're really starting to approach as well. We're starting to really connect to this us in here. Um, it's not just going to be the me in here and the me out there. We're really starting to make that approach of the us in here and really learning that we're all on this spiritual journey. And everybody's spiritual journey is just as important as the person next to you. Um, and that's what we're really going to be, you know, kind of exploring here. And so really- Yeah, you in, have the-, yeah. the no, sorry. I, I, I know that there's a little delay here between us, but I was going to say the recognition of the Maya, just really having an understanding of what that represents with the exterior, what the material world really represents and how it's on a lower side of the vibration that we're trying to rise above. In this case, the surface of this murky, thick uh, bog that's literally quite literally bogging us down here and having the, the distinction between, you know, what it really means uh to have this intensity of emotional energy under under the surface, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And it's and this water boils in all of us. You know, this is undeniable. And that's really what we're going to see and you know, they kind of speak about how this bog and this swamp has actually started a plague. And this is what we kind of think about with the idea of fermentation and almost how spirituality is almost what sobers us up from this drunken stupor that we're kind of in, in the physical. And again, the physical is creation. And so through this process, we're going to really understand the magnitude and the importance of the physical. And it's not something to be denied. It's something to be fully experienced because this is where we meet God. And this is where we meet the God in us is in this five sense reality realm. So the classroom is very important. So it's never something to be denied, but it's definitely going to ask you of, you know, what rules what. And this is when we really make that sacrifice, like you said, that initiation to be, no, 
the spirit is going to rule me and the spirit works through me. And then I express it in form and I express the spirit through it. And so, you know, that's, it, it paints the picture of the environment because the environment's very important through this story. And just like we were kind of talking about, Hercules is given unique guidance. He's actually told exactly how he's going to conquer this lesson. And this comes with, just like what we were saying, is that internal insight that very much starts to develop as we go through these rites of passages and really make that connection with the higher self. Well, once we're more connected to the higher self, it can it can communicate to us in a much more fluid and a much more clear way. And that's exactly what happens with with the guidance that we're provided. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And, you know, I know we we barely started t- touching on Scorpio, but obviously, you know, within this labor, with the eighth labor being, um, you know, this discussion that's overall the arching theme of Scorpio, there's so much that, you know, we're going to learn here, um, not only about what you're saying regard, regarding our our knowledge of of what we're seeing on the outside and on the inside, but understanding what um, this humility that he's feeling really represents. And so I'm actually excited to talk about, you know, what that really means here, you know, why he has this, this task and how he expresses this task. Right. Absolutely. You know, and we, and it talks about the stagnant of the energy, which is obviously what we're talking about when we don't move this, this Scorpio energy and this eighth house energy with its, when it's within us. Um, but you know, it's, it's so interesting how the stench is spread seven miles. And we know exactly what that seven miles means. That seven miles is the seven chakras. And so what it's telling you here is that this expression and the proper expression of this desire force is that kundalini energy. That's what we're dealing with because it's serpent wisdom. And so if we don't understand how desire works within us and how we are ultimately the ones who decide how that desire finds expression in this five sense reality, we're never going to be able to tap into that serpent wisdom energy that's within us. And so we're mm. starting to really kind of connect to this this understanding that the infinite is already inside of us. And we work through the kundalini, we work through the spinal column and the seven chakras to be able to access that information in a more familiar, you know, way that we can actually utilize it. And so when we don't have when we have stagnation of this energy, everything else is going to be off hinder because this is such a driving force of what we need to do to kind of direct ourselves through the to the path of you know self-unfoldment. So one of the things I wanted to, you know, go back to a little bit is, you know, even though the stench is is such and and as you talk about how you know it reaches the seven miles but really you know the interpretation of the seven chakras there's this distance that he has for a moment before he goes into the lair and the way he approaches to antagonize the beast is one that he you know basically from a distance as i just mentioned you know shoots these arrows these fiery arrows to to wake the beast to kind of bring it out of its lair you know in its in, in the place that it probably harnesses most of its power and i thought that was fascinating that it has to, he has to do that first you know normally he kind of just goes in as we've already heard before in all his labors he just sort of either waits patiently with a trap or he goes in um you know full force and here he kind of has this more strategic 
uh, way of awakening that that beast, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And this and this very much ties into the idea of he's evolving in front of our eyes. And so, you know, when we were kind of going through the first six, there was a lot of times when you were like, in a very valid way, um, a lot because of your strong Scorpio placements with your Scorpio moon and your Scorpio rising, there was a lot of times when you were expressing like, oh, I thought he would have learned this lesson by now. I thought he would avoid this pitfall. Well, what we're having here in the eighth house is he's actually able to see into the future now. And he's actually able to incorporate the signs that are coming. Instead of having them have to be all these new lessons, he's actually harnessing that Sagittarius energy now because Sagittarius is represented by an arrow. It's represented by the archer and it's represented by like, our own personal philosophy and our connection to the higher overarching themes of life. Well, he's starting mm-hmm. to connect. So now he's able to start to see into the future and he's starting to incorporate lessons that haven't even, he hasn't even been met with yet. And so we're really starting to see this development kind of blossom. And that's exactly what the arrows are going to represent. It's going to represent that he's starting to learn the elements. He's starting to learn because we're about to make our way through the remainder of the elements with this, because he's about to meet fire for the last time. He's about to meet earth for the last time. He's about to meet air for the last time. And ultimately, he's going to meet water for the last time. This is the this is the last time we kind of see the middle of these elements with this mutable water. And so he's really starting to gain insight. He's really starting to believe and understand that the infinite is within him. These are not, these are, he's not, he wasn't learning anything this entire time. He was re-remembering. And that's exactly what it is in that process, especially with this water sign, is starting to operate. That intuition is starting to bubble up and he's really starting to pick up on all of this deep information that these, that is represented with this boiling, you know, movable water energy that we see with, with Scorpio. So that's a great point, man. Uh, I think that what you're saying now sort of sort of lends itself to what we're going to be talking about in order to open up the conversation to Scorpio. Because again, with these labors, you know, we can get so specific with what the story is really unfolding, but you're starting to really see some of these traits of Scorpio here. And this is what I really want to get into. And again, I know we're going to save it for the third episode, uh, you know, when we really break down Scorpio. But, you know, with this not intensity that Scorpio carries, but the sort of unfolding of, of, or the distinction between the lower self and the higher self. I kind of want to go right into that with the self-discipline that Scorpio carries and what he's actually showing. And I think it's funny that you said that in the last few labors I have mentioned, like, why is he having to learn this lesson? And this is the first time. And again, I, it just, it's so funny. You talk about this where I was like, yes, finally you know what i mean there's nothing about this labor that he's giving me personally here um any conflict of you know just like okay he finally understands he finally Mm -hmm. sees the path and the way you know absolutely he's growing up right in front of our eyes just like we're growing up step by step every day we get a little better and we get a little bit more complete and we can follow that path that's internally guided by our heart um and it is it's kind of this step-by-step process and so it is exciting when we see the hero accepting that he truly is the hero um and it's exciting when we see it everybody in our lives when they start to accept the hero that they truly are and you know with this 
and you, you said something with Scorpio and you said intense and then you kind of moved away with it. No, man. Scorpio is intense. This is intensity. No, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I love the, 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 the passionate conviction that Scorpio has, but that's what I think it's interesting that he has this guidance, you know? So it's almost like telling him like, you know, you may or may not want to go in right ahead, you know, full force, but remember and heed these words, you know, of discipline and sort of having to pull back that that overwhelming sensation of intensity that is moved by the emotions sure. in Scorpio. You know Absolutely. I mean? and, I thought, and I thought that's what was going to happen. When I read this labor, I was like, oh, he's going to like just go all off. He's going to let his emotions take over. But he shows us a different side and back to the point of him growing into, you know, the one, the 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 higher self that he's meant to be throughout this entire journey. Now you finally see it. So I was completely wrong. It's like, I, I couldn't pinpoint him, you know, as soon as this happens, I'm like, Oh wow. Okay. You know, the emotions did not take over. Uh, they start to in the labor, but he remembers the guidance that was given to him before he even goes down that path, Absolutely. which is like just so um, specific to this, to this, you know, discipline that he's acquired over the course of his journey. Yes. Yes. And you know, and what we're trying to, what we're kind of seeing here too, with, with like those arrows and the conquering of the fire is we're, we're really exploring the dark aspects of the consciousness where the higher self is not being fully incorporated. And that's exactly what's going to kind of happen. It's this journey to uncover the parts of our consciousness that we don't see the fourth, the eighth, and the twelfth labors. So the fourth house, the eighth house, and the twelfth house, all dealing with the water signs, are the dark aspects of the consciousness that we don't see. Just like in water, you see the surface, but you don't know what's below it. Well, that's going to be the representation of all three of these signs. And we already explored the cycles and patterns that were the result of the nurturing of our upbringing in the fourth house. The fourth house, we looked at cycles and patterns as a child and how that influenced us and how do we honor the cycles that are nurturing to us and how do we move away from those cycles that maybe no longer serve us that we needed as a child right. or were just imposed on us by our environment where this eighth house, this is looking at cycles and patterns as an adult. This is when we have to accept the responsibility of everything in my mm. spiritual development is a result of what I nurture and what I create through this cycle and pattern energy, which is our desires. And like we said, desire is going to be operating within us. It's really the octave that we choose to collapse these in this five sense reality that's going to make us the hero or the villain. But it's always going to be operating in us. It's it's un it's we we can't look away from this. We can't deny this because, it, like we said, we'll we'll explode like that tea kettle. We're like a steam engine. Right. We need pressure release. What we need to find out here is what pressure release is the healthiest for our development as in our connection to our higher self. And so we're really looking at the shadow. Yeah, we don't we don't just go like I said, I know we're repeating ourselves here, but we just don't go right in full force. You know, it, it is said even in the description of the labor how those arrows represent in a way, you know, this sort of um I guess like the idea of trial and error of waking that beast and finding out whether or not we've been feeding it so much to where 
when it reveals itself, it's not all at once. It's not this explosion, as you just said. And I think that that's great that we're using these arrows as this analogy for, you know, how we're going to unveil and reveal this beast that's in this hidden layer that's been there for quite some time. Oh, forever. It's been formed since our first connection to consciousness, right? And the thing is, is we have been feeding it. We've absolutely been feeding it. And that's really what we're going to kind of explore here is what are we feeding? What process of our automation is feeding the beast within? Because the beast is just the uncorporated angel that's within us that we haven't brought into the light to be able to see, to understand, and to incorporate into our higher self. And so nothing that we find in the shadow is evil. It's our inability to see it that is going to perpetuate what we don't want, which we consider evil in this life. And so at no point, again, are we conquering this in a way that's going to be destructive. We have to, sur- we have to, you know, see the shadow. We have to light up the areas that are dark aspects of our consciousness, you know, and then we surrender to it and then we incorporate it within us. And this is such an important part. And so when we were kind of talking about in the past, like the dark night of the soul, the, the, the journey to find our inner child, shadow work, this is, this is the area of life that we're talking about. We're really looking at what we don't perceive, but it's undeniable for us to always remember we're only aware of the 15% that our conscious mind is letting us be aware of. So much of our consciousness and so much of what we feed happens below the surface. It happens in those areas of the water that have been to this point unable for us to explore, but we are graduated to a level through initiation and self-development that we're now able to enter those gates of that darkness and go in with the bravery and the discipline that's needed to actually incorporate the shadow rather than letting the shadow run amok and, you know, use projection and use our responses that we don't even see. You know, these this is our habits. This is our behaviors. People are very habitual. You know, like, it's always kind of interesting, even when, you know, sometimes, like, I don't ever know why certain, like, YouTube videos come up. Uh, but there was a process once where I was watching something, and then the next video that just kind of scrolled up was interviewing, like, a career individual that was like that did home burglary like he like robbed people's houses right and in the interview i was like why that why am i watching this like why why did this come up onto my screen and it was fascinating because they were like how were you so successful how did you do this for 50 years he's like oh you people are robots he's like do you know how easy it was to figure you out i would have to sit in a neighborhood for a day and a half and I knew your and I knew your schedule. I knew when you were home. I knew when you were awake. I knew when you were doing this. Like it was just a couple days and I could see your patterns. And that's how I was able to operate. We don't realize how automated we are. And that's what Scorpio is going to kind of look at as these automations that are happening below the surface. What are we feeding? You know, are we feeding the greatest aspects of ourselves? Or are we feeding the 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 continuation of not seeing those aspects, you know, and really ignoring them. Is that what we're feeding? Are we are we feeding our blindness? Because this hydra, it was said, lives in perpetual darkness. Well, it's because the light of our consciousness has not reached it. So, of course, it's in the darkness. And so, this is also why 
we have the flaming arrows to light up that area, to utilize our philosophy, to utilize the air, which is our, you know, our elevated intellect that we just learned with Libra, to call out the shadow self so we can ultimately surrender and incorporate it. Well said, man. Well said. And, and, you know, that segues me into something that's great in the specifics of this labor that are mentioned and something that is specific to the subconscious of the beast that we fed. Because if you're not feeding the right side, the positive side, the enlightened side, the side that will save us ultimately from our demise, when you do see the beast, that which you have been feeding, you must not fear what you have also fed. Because I think most of the time when people see their shadow self, it staggers or it stands over them with such height and such, you know, demise that they retract and don't confront it. And in this labor, they talk about, and I'll quote it, it says, um, a thing of ugliness that looked as if it had been made of all the foulest thoughts conceived since time began. And those are all the darkest thoughts that mm. we all carry within ourselves, but it's how it's, you know, confronted by our ourselves that is going to allow us to be able to either determine whether or not we can move forward or we're just going to cower down and and fear it because you know in all the other labors they don't talk about the beasts that they that they present to hercules with such description you know it's normally like you can kind of guess okay it's big the lion is strong the boar is this all of them are there but when it talks about the foulest thoughts conceived since the time began, that's that subconscious that we talk about that we've been feeding for so long that has the darkest thoughts that we all have. We all have those thoughts, but, but it is the moment when you confront them, whether or not you will be able to overcome the overwhelming feeling of what you've created and make peace with it or run and hide from it and keep feeding it ultimately because you think by suppressing it, nothing will come, but by suppressing it, you're just keeping the beast in its layer in that muck exactly. and it'll grow and grow. And, you know, just eventually the, every time you do try to confront, it'll be bigger than the time that was before. It, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely, man. And I, and I love that you, you brought that up because it is, it's the dragon that keeps growing. And, you know, when you were kind of bringing up it, it reminds me of that, you know, the native American wisdom when the grandfather's talking to the young child and he's talking about the two wolves that live within me. And he's like, one is love, right. truth, and the other one is fear and hate. And, you know, and they're always at a battle within me. And the child's like, well, which one wins? And he's like, which one do I feed? That's what, that's what it's going to kind of be here. And you're right. Like, it's, it's so fascinating how, how afraid we are of the dark. And it really starts you to realize, like, why are we as a collective consciousness afraid of the dark yeah obviously we're afraid of physical things but is there a deeper psychological spiritual root of why we're afraid of the dark you know is it because it represents aspects within ourselves that we're too afraid to see you know because like you think about it like even when you think about like what we fear like when we think are like we're like what we're afraid of like under the bed you know like well what's under the bed kind of thing and we were scared as a kid well like truth be told say it's like that, that movie Child's Play, like Chucky. Like, truth be told, I would punt the shit out of that doll if it tried to attack me. Like, I'm not really afraid of you. Like, I would just destroy you. Like, bring it on. But 
when it comes to like the idea of like what's in my consciousness, that's actually what we really fear. That's actually what the root of all this is. That's why we watch these scary movies because there's like a part of us that's like, what was the thing in the psyche that caused this individual to act this way and to express this way? And it's that's what's actually scary. It's just like, gosh, is that in me? Like, what what is it that's in me that I need to incorporate and discover so I don't have these sinister aspects of wanting to share pain or, you know, taking people's pleasure away from them? You know, it's because it's always, everything is a reflection of us with this eighth house. This eighth house, we really kind of start to blend together with others and we really start to see, oh my gosh, like you are a reflect, I'm a reflection of you and you are a reflection of me. And we're starting to kind of see that in the external. And so I think it's fascinating to kind of think when we're kind of looking at this of why do we collectively fear the darkness? You know, why has that always been something that the first thing we learned how to do was fire so we wouldn't be in complete darkness? Well, it's it carries over. The history of humanity is tied to the history of your consciousness. And just like we had to learn how to right. use that fire, well, we have to learn how to use that internal fire. Just how we had to use learn how to utilize water correctly, well, we have to use that internal water correctly. It's all it's all connected as above, so below. And I know that that's something that like very much resonates with you and it's like a big part of your studies. But that's that's exactly what we're looking at here is is the darkness of the subconscious and and just the fear that we have when really there's there's nothing to fear that's that is the infinite is within us and it's just begging for us to understand it and we perceive it and we project it as this fear and hate but it's just because it's not getting the proper expression and it's not disciplined and we're not you know putting the light of our consciousness on it well said, man. Well said. And it's funny because in this appropriate time that we find ourselves as we end October, you know, you you see that more and more in people, you know, and as we celebrate, you know, All Hallows Eve and as we celebrate all that is terror, I think that some people kind of miss the mark here where they realize or don't realize rather that fear in itself is what is going to give you ultimately an actual definition of what courage looks like. And so I think mm-hmm. that we have this sort of... um involvement with fear that we appreciate whether we're aware of it or not in order to conquer not only ourselves but also the world and the exterior in that maya energy and knowing which one is more dominant you know is it the above is it the below is it both at the same time and having an understanding of both at the same time really brings a balance in order to let us move forward um in this journey. And I think that that's something that people don't really think about. Cause you know, you know, I've talked about this before, just as friends, even, even with uh, murder mystery shows that people tend to really, you know, go down a path in, um, in, in pop culture and, and no, and no discrimination against anyone who likes those things. But I think the reason people kind of lean into that is to sort of see that Hydra, to see the layer, to see the potential of what darkness could bring out of us, but also confronting it so that, you know, that you're not made of those things. Those things are within you, but it's you who gets to actually make a decision whether or not you carry out any sort of deeds of evil or darkness. You know what I mean? And I think that's what he's sort of discovering. But go ahead, sorry. No, absolutely. I was just wanting to like ding, 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 because I love that point so much, because that is the eighth house. The ball's in your court. 
what are you going to do with this energy? Like no right. longer can you blame it on your, no longer is it like what happened in your childhood. It's not about that. It's the balls in your court. This is the spot when we take full responsibility of who we spiritually become. And we make that honor of like, do I, do I raise myself up and do I climb the ladder to higher consciousness or do I dedicate my life to the quicksand of materialism and kind of get sucked down into this reality. Um, and that's what we're really going to be asked to like, what gets championed? We're going to kind of see this later as the the story of the eagle and the snake, when we kind of talk about the three levels of Scorpio and, and what we kind of want to, you know, kind of look into. And so, um, you know, you're right. We, we utilize these arrows that are actually part of the lesson that's going to come next of this like higher insight and this and this cunningness that's kind of developing in us to be able to really understand how to deal with this energy because it's a little bit different and i thought it was really interesting when the hydra does appeal appear it it attempts to coil the feet of hercules and you know what this is really talking about with the coiled idea of like the coiled snake this is talking about the potential of that kundalini serpent wisdom that's within us that sometimes stays at that base chakra which means that we are getting pulled down by the quicksand of materialism and that snake is not supposed to be coiled it's really supposed to be awoken and connect us to that christ consciousness that we work through with like the understanding of chakra energy or the kundalini or even the kabbalah as we look into it's all the same kind of representation um but I thought that that was fascinating that they spoke about that as like this is this is talking about the the waking up of the God center within us and you know it's the one is starting to believe it Neo is starting to believe that he is the one and the one is represented by Hercules in this story um, and so you know I don't know if you want to kind of like touch in on that or if you wanted to talk about the slicing of one head and the growing of the other but yeah. Um, I, I- I'll let you, yeah, you're the rodeo. You you take it on where you want to (laughs) go. Thanks, man. Uh, I know it's so exciting and and I know there's a lot on our plate right now and we're trying to, again, tippy-toe around, you know, giving this this full um, understanding of not just Scorpio, but the labor, it's it's due diligence and it's it's like actual, you know, um, it's respect. But, you know, when we talk about beating the the evils, you know, the understanding what that really represents and confronting the evils. It's not just a, a representation or it's not just to, rep, you know, find out what that represents and and how to combat it, but it's learning how not to combat it. And I think he he's starting to understand that because as he, you know, faces the Hydra, you know, for every time that he strikes the Hydra, we already know that the Hydra head grows too and it grows stronger. And as it grows stronger, you know, you can kind of understand that it's not just enough or merely enough to go to the subconscious and see the shadow self, but it's not something that must be attacked with the same kind of potential or power that already fed it. So you already fed that, that evil, that darkness. So just because you now see it doesn't mean you're going to use the same energy in order to defeat it rather than you must go into the opposite of that. And that's when he has to remember what was told to him by the teacher, which is simply in the greatest words here are we rise by kneeling. And I think that is so brilliant because it really hits him and it hits him fast too. He's not so much conflicted. You don't really hear an inner dialogue or read about an inner dialogue where he's 
you know, baffled by the fact that every time he strikes, you know, this beast, it, it grows stronger. He re- recognizes like, I'm doing this wrong. Let me stop, regather. Okay, I must surrender. And that's exactly what he does. Absolutely. You know, you can't solve a problem with the same consciousness that created the problem, you know, and yes. that's what we're really kind of seeing there. And, and, you know, we see this with like this desire energy because Scorpio, it's all about cycles and patterns. So Scorpio is all about figuring out what is the causal factor of this cycle and pattern, not just cutting off you know, Scorpio is that representation of what we spoke about with the, with like the conversations on cause and effect. It's about getting to the causality and not just like cutting the weed, but actually pulling out the root of the problem. Because right. we see this with this, like we might have an addiction of something. So say somebody's like addicted to cigarettes, right? And they're addicted to cigarettes and then they quit cigarettes, but they go from that addiction from cigarettes cigarettes to like sweet foods. And although they're Mm. off the addiction of cigarettes, there's still now addiction to sweet foods. And not saying that that might be a little bit healthier than the cigarettes. It probably is. Um, But the addiction is staying because we're not getting to the causal factor. We're just cutting off the head and expecting this different kind of thing. And so that it's going to kind of keep growing and it's going to keep kind of developing. And so that's really what we're going to be kind of asked to is getting to the causal factor of these desires. What is the causal factor of my hate? What is the causal factor of my fear? What is this causal factor of maybe my narcissistic behaviors? It needs us to get to the root of it because without getting to the root, we don't get to the seed. So it just keeps growing. And that's what this is going to represent. You can't we don't, we have to raise it up to the lens of the spiritual. We really have to take it from the aspect of like how we think about it and really connect to this energy that we're starting to connect to, which is the higher self within us, which is the realization that the infinite is already within us. And it's just us realizing it. It's not like we're collecting the pieces to make ourselves infinite. We surrender to the idea that the infinite is already inside of us and I'm going to stop blocking it. And so we bring it to that all-knowing light of our higher consciousness. But we can't, it's not just, you know, working the top. We spoke about this with like cause and effect. And we, we use that really good example that, um, that, um, Mark Passio presented about the idea of like, you could sit outside of a refrigerator all day long and step on the cockroaches as they come out, but you're going to be there forever. It's not until you actually move the refrigerator and go after the nest that you're actually going to solve the problem. And so we really are starting to see even how the hermetic principles are coming in. Now we saw it last week with like Libra with balance and, you know, the law of rhythm. Um, But we're seeing it now with like the law of cause and effect. And this is the accepting that everything that is collapsing in this moment is the result of a cycle and pattern that was put into place in the past. Us coming together in this moment is a result of the cycle and pattern of us starting this podcast and starting this whole journey of looking at the zodiac signs. And now those cycles and patterns are collapsing in the moment that we're in. And if we continue this cycle and pattern of exploring these zodiac signs, we can actually tell the future. We can actually be like, I bet you and I are going to be face-to-face to to talk about Sagittarius, or we're going to be face-to-face to to continue this conversation with Scorpio because we nurture 
that cycle and pattern within ourselves. And it continues to blossom. Scorpio is when we really start to learn that our destiny is controlled by our cycles and patterns. We are not going to be judged by death about what we thought about and what we felt was right. Death is going to ask us, well, what did you do with your life? And that's the big question. It's all about what you do. It's, you know, good intentions are not how you make it to the higher understanding of consciousness, right? What do they say? It's like the path to hell is paved in good intentions. You know, it's all about what you do. And that's really what the Scorpio is. How do you put emotion, which is your energy dash motion, into into work for your the like the development of your higher will and your connection to this universal life force. Um, and so it's such an interesting thing to kind of look at when we're kind of thinking about the Hydra because he's just cutting the weed but he's not getting to the root and it keeps growing back. And he's like, you know, it's, it's perplexing to us, but we've been doing this all of our lives. You know, we've been doing this even with relationships. Oh, I really need to get into a relationship. So maybe I could like ignore my shadow. Well, what happens is those relationships demise. And what do we end up doing? Instead of looking into our shadow, we jump into another relationship. We just keep cutting off the head and it keeps appearing. The same problems appear because the subconscious is projection. So if we don't see it inside of ourselves, the universe pulls it outside of us to make an example of like, you're missing this. You need to see this. And so I'm going to keep pulling it into your life. You know, there's something inside of me that's a little bit unbalanced and chaotic, and it gets projected in my life as like what we call Daniel's shenanigans of like, oh, like Daniel's gas cage stopped working without him knowing, and he's out of gas. Like weird things like that. Well, that's a projection of something I'm not seeing inside. Like no doubt in my mind, I'm the first to say it. You know, I know this. Um, Now, do I also think that the universe, you know, I always call for the alchemical process. So the universe always puts me through the alchemical process. Absolutely. Do I grow from every experience until I learn more about my subconscious? Absolutely. You know, this, this Scorpio energy is intense, man. It's intense. Like it's, and we all have this intensity inside of us. You know, now it might have a different lens. We might have our eighth house with a different sign, but either way, this idea of cycles and patterns is everything. And what we do with those cycles and patterns and how ultimately cycles and patterns are the automation of our desires, it really shows that we have to change the desire at the core if we want to change in results. But it's not just change, it's not cutting the, the weeds on the surface. It's actually getting to that root and diverting that energy. God, that was beautifully said, man. That's under that's exactly how you conclude this labor, you know, the the having the ability to not only, you know, face come face to face with that, but also understanding how to shine light on it and having the light on it rather than just passing through it will give you the ability to not only um you know, take the power away of something that you may have been ignoring or may have been just still feeding and burying underneath the muck, but also, um, you know, moving past it and, and rising above it. And I think that that's, that's overall what needs to be understood from this intensity. You know, really quick, I, I, I know we got to get, we got to wrap this up, but I had a quick story that it completely relates to this, but I was in a very bad part of the neighborhood in Italy recently and I, I became very agitated 
with uh, my significant other because you know we were we were continuing on a path that I thought we should have turned around from and you know she she asked me um she being my wife she had asked me you know why was i so annoyed and i asked myself why i was so annoyed and my way of sort of rising above the situation was i just realized i care about this person so much that i'm afraid that if something happens i couldn't do something about it sooner before the situation you know became out of my control. And that's really what was going on. And rather than just coming to a conclusion that I just care and the care is what's being um, sort of, I guess, uh, messed with in a, in a way from a situation I can't control, I was becoming, um, you know, unfavorable for the situation. But really the, 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 um, my, uh, my intentions were true and they were, they were coming from a good place, but they were reacting on a, on a negative way, you know, and such an easy thing like that, you know, when you can put it light onto it, it all kind of goes away and you sort of find a way to redirect the energy and, you know, rise above the situation. And so, you know, it's something we'll all have to go and, and do on our own. And that's just something that happened to me that I reflected on from my travels. And we'll talk more about those travels um, <laughs> in the next few episodes. I know, like I said, Dale and I are both pressed for time right now with a, a few other things that we really wanted to take some time to discuss with every every one of you. But for now, we want to really break down this first labor with you guys and have this approach to this intense sign that we're going to unfold over the course of the next uh, few weeks or a few days. Yeah, absolutely, man. And like we said, where it's kind of really a to be continued on this because we're still going to kind of explore this labor um, in the second part of this. And we're going to really kind of look deeper into this Hydra and what those heads represent and, you know, really kind of give some utilitarian information of what we can kind of utilize well, how we can kind of direct that energy in a more developmental way. Um, but yeah, that's exactly what you're talking about too, because again, your root desire of what was causing the anger, that was genuine. There was something very pure about that. You're just like, no, I, I love this person and this is something, you know, and I care about you. And that's where it is. And when we can kind of shine light on it, we can start to examine it and understand how we navigate with that energy that we're feeling. And like, oh, hey, this doesn't need to be, again, sprayed out. This just needs to be communicated internally and with a partnership like you find yourself in externally, you know? And and always remember, man, even if you ever, and this goes for all the audience members as well, if you ever get caught in a tough situation, always name drop Prince Canoe, my cat. He is the poser slayer. And posers run when they hear his name. They're like, "Yo, wait, you know Canoe? They like, I'm just going to scrim. They'll throw their wallets at you. Like, you know, they'll just like peg you with their wallets and they'll beg for forgiveness. Um, but he's always slaying the posers. That, yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, please, everybody is, is free to use that in the Know Thyself community. Um, and so, yeah, man, I am so jazzed to continue this conversation with you. It's so nice to see your face. And also, congratulations on the first face reveal on Instagram. You showed your good-looking self in like a beautiful environment in Italy. Man, <laughs> I was... Talk about Scorpio energy. You had me boiling. I was like, who's this guy? But that was really cool, man. I'm glad that you you broke that threshold 
of being able to kind of connect and um we're all super excited to kind of hear about your journey. And I know we're going to kind of have a lot of, now that you're back and now that I finally have a real computer, um, a lot more material is going to go up on the membership pages. And um, I know we're going to probably have a lot of just even personal conversations about your journey through Italy. Um, and so whether you like it or not, buddy, we got coffee dates set up. Um, all right. And so I think we I will be like chatting. It, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be good, man. And I'm super excited. I know everybody else is, was not only excited that you had that experience, but um, we're all we're all so curious to hear about the continuation of this lovely love story that you've created called your life. And so we're so blessed to be able to share that with you. And so, hey man, so you're good part to see of your it. face. Well, now yeah, I'm you're blushing. part of it. Every- yeah, now man. I'm well, blushing. You, that's you, great. You started it, man. You made a brown man blush, and that's 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 something that definitely is happening right now. But uh, no, you know, uh, to to express everything that you or to have a uh, something to say about what you just said. Yes, thank you so much to all the members of the new website. Um, you know, to all our listeners, and that is why I put the video out there. You know, it it really was difficult for us to kind of have a, a moment to express where we were, what we were doing, and then having the time to really catch up between different time zones and everything else. So, you know, I, the least I could do is to sort of have a moment with each and one of you. And if you don't know where I'm talking about, it was something that we did on the social media through a story. And I actually tried taking that video and putting it up on the website. I'm going to attempt to do that again, uh, if you didn't see it before. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, I, again, there's so much that we need to, to talk about, um, and thank you so much for, you know, being so patient with me and also, you know, the, the timing of this labor, um, you know, cause I'm, I'm very excited to talk more about, um, you know, Scorpio and the eighth house. And so thank you to everybody. Thank you to all our listeners. And, um, until next time, my friend, until next time, my friend. <laughs>